Today we resume in our study of Luke chapter 23. Today we continue moving through the account uh, that we have the last several weeks of the, the trial and the death and then coming the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This morning as we continue in our study, uh, we're going to look at just two verses Today, Luke chapter 23, today verses 32 and verse 33. So again, these two verses today, Luke chapter 23, verses 32 and 33. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 32, God's word says this. Two others also who were criminals were being led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful for your grace and your kindness shown to us in our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful that in, in this act that we're gonna, we're gonna read about today, that we're gonna hear about today, that in this act, we are redeemed. Our, our sin is dealt with. We have a way. And your grace is made known through this cross. Lord, I pray that, that today you would truly speak to us. And I pray that, that right now again that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear. And I pray that we would be impacted in this picture today of your death. Lord, I pray more than all of that, that you would be worshiped today, that you would be glorified today, that your supreme act of love and grace and mercy would be lifted up and it would point to you, our kind Savior. Lord, I pray for some in this room that, that do not know you today. I pray that in this, in this clear picture, this presentation of the gospel, that in this event, they would put their faith, their trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we come and we tell you, we do love you. We do worship you and we praise you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, we're going to look at our two verses today. Let's begin by looking today at verse 32. It says this again. Two others also who were criminals were being led away to be put to death with him. The Bible says... Two others also who were criminals. Now, this is the word that Luke uses. Uh, Mark uses the word robbers, but, but you, Luke chooses to use the word criminals here. Now, the word criminals translates workers of evil or evildoers. That's what it literally translates. And so understand, these two who are, who are listed here with Christ they were guilty of their crime. They are evildoers. They're guilty of their crime. And it was a crime evidently deserving of death. And so we see these evildoers guilty of their crime, a, a crime punishable by death. Now, it is interesting. Most likely, these were the companions of Barabbas. Remember the one that was set free. And really, when we have to think about this entire event, really this was his crucifixion Event And I, I believe most likely it was his cross, the cross that was intended for Barabbas that Jesus now has borne up the hill of Calvary. And so these two are, are companions most likely of Barabbas. Verse 32 again, two others also who were criminals were being led away to be put to death 
with him. It says again, two others to be put to death with him. It is worth noting here that over 700 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah, speaking of the Messiah, identifying the Messiah, said he would be numbered with the transgressors. He would be counted with the transgressors. That is fulfilled here in this verse. There are two criminals and they are numbered, counted with Jesus. There are two criminals who will die also with Jesus. Verse 33. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. The skull. When they came to the place called the skull, in Hebrew is Golgotha. In Greek, it is Cranian. In English, it is Calvary. When they came to the place called the skull, when they came now to Golgotha, when they had arrived at Calvary, the Bible says this, there they crucified him. Literally, in the Greek, it is plain. The rendering is, there they crucified him. Listen to those words. Let those words sink in this morning. Once they had arrived at the place of the skull, once they had arrived at Calvary, there they crucified him. The word crucify in the Greek is a word that means to drive in stakes. It wasn't always tied to this act. It was a word that meant to, to drive in stakes. It was used to describe the process of fence building where you would drive in stakes. Well, the Romans had taken this and they had made it the most heinous, the most hideous, the most gruesome form of execution ever desired. They had taken this driving in of stakes and they had devised the most hideous form of execution. In the process... The crossbeam, which had been carried now up the hill to Calvary, the crossbeam was added to the post. The condemned person, completely naked, their hands were nailed through the palm, most likely at an angle that exited at the back of the wrist, and that was to support the weight of the condemned person. And so a nail is driven through the, the base of the palm and exits out the back of the wrist. The condemned person, their feet would be pushed up flush onto the beam and then spikes would be driven through the base of the angles, of the ankles. Some nails have been found. There were many, many crucifixions in this period of time. Some of the nails have been found and they're six to eight inches in length. Some of them are a half inch in diameter. And so now the feet are pushed up flush with the post and a nail is driven through the base of the ankles. The, the major ligaments and nerves of both the hands and the legs would start a burning and a throbbing process. It would start a, a deep aching that would last through the duration of the crucifixion. This pain, I'm told, is so intense that, that a, a, record, a record of a civil war uh, injury, a person committed suicide waiting on the doctor to attend them. It is a deep aching as these ligaments and nerves are injured. Once the person is crucified, nailed to the cross, the cross was then raised into an upright position. 
where the weight of the condemned person would now hang down against the nails. The person in that position would then stretch out, placing the lungs and the ribs, which were already tremendously injured from the scourging, in a bind. And as they were stretching out, their, their lung would begin to constrict, and they would be placed in a tremendous bind that would make it a struggle to breathe. In fact, the pathologist says the only way to breathe would be to pull up against the nails or to push down against the, the spikes in your legs to try to alleviate the pressure to be able to breathe. Understand today, the torment of the cross, this, this Roman form of execution, is the panic of suffocating set against the pain of the spikes. Now, try to think about that for a little bit. If you've ever had trouble catching your breath or maybe you've been in a situation where it's hard to breathe and you enter into a panic, well, it is the panic of suffocating set against the pain in your spikes of your hands and your legs. Once the person has been crucified, nailed to the beam, the process of death would then move forward. All of that is entailed in these Greek words, there they crucified him. Jesus, there they crucified him. Today I want us to look carefully at these words. I want us to look very carefully at this verse, verse 33. As I believe it is the most underwhelming verse in the Bible. I believe it is the most underwhelming verse in the Bible. Now, I want you to think about that. Think about what I'm saying here. We have built in the story all the way across Luke. We have, we have built in the narrative, and we have heard the account, and we have studied the account, and we have built in the story. Jesus has trained. Jesus has taught. Jesus has preached. He has proclaimed. Now we find him in the account. He has walked the road to Jerusalem, and we read the account. He passes by Jericho, and he comes over the hill, and he goes through Bethany, and then he comes into Jerusalem. He has walked the road to Jerusalem. He has entered into the city, the Bible tells us, held as a king. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, the very Lamb of God, has presented himself on this Passover at the altar. The verse says, There they crucified him. Friends, listen, that is much too short. That is, that is much too simple, way too simple, friend. That's not explosive enough as I read those words. Those words are underwhelming in the thing that they are describing. Picture this, see this. There is this cross. Only a day earlier it was meant for somebody else, but there is this cross. And it is now standing on this hill. It is now standing at Golgotha. There is this cross this simple cross, this underwhelming cross. Oh, but friend, it is this cross that has thrown a shadow across all human history. See it today, see the cross, see it in the garden where the first pair enters into sin and the consequence unfolds and death now stands and shame has taken shape and guilt is now assigned. And as they are ushered out of that beautiful garden 
if we could see it as they're ushered out of that garden, there looming over the trail is the shadow of this cross. And there they leave bowed in their shame, ruined in their sin. And yet as they leave, there is hope. Listen, there is hope. There is hope in the shadow of the cross. As they walk out of that garden over the trails, their, their sorrowful feet tread. There's the shadow of the cross. See it. See the cross. See it. As Noah, the Bible says, righteous in his day, stands in obedience to the ridicule of everybody else, to the ridicule of all as he builds his ark. And the rain comes and he captains that ark until one day it makes contact. One day it bumps into and then it sets down on dry ground. And if we can see it there, if you can envision it there on that mountain peak as they file off of that great ship, there again is the shadow of the cross. As they come off of that ship, there is the shadow of the cross. And yes, there is judgment. Yes, there is judgment. But it's always tempered with mercy. There is a way. There is a way in the shadow of the cross. See it. See the cross. See it. As Abraham takes his joy his promised son, the one he longed for, his precious son, his boy. He takes him in a bundle of wood. He marches up that mountain and once there in obedience, he draws back the knife and the Bible says God steals his hand. God's word says, behold, a ram was caught in the thicket who was offered up in the place of his son. And as they walk down the mountain, back down that trail, there is a lamb and it's provided by God. And if we could see it, if we could see as they're looming, walking down that hill, they're walking again in the shadow of the cross. God will provide, God will provide in the shadow of the cross. And event after event, as Moses leads God's people, as Joshua brings them home, as David enters into terrible sin and repents again, as Isaiah speaks, as Jonah preaches, it is all done event after event after event in the shadow of a cross. And the sun comes up and the sun goes down and the shadow is cast until this day, this crazy day when Jesus stands and the only shade, the only shade our Savior can find is cast from the shadow of that cross. And friends, I want you to hear me today as he stands Hope remains and justice again is tempered with mercy and God is provided and the Savior stands in the shadow of his own cross. Oh, what a verse it is. And there they crucified him. All in the shadow of a cross. Most underwhelming verse ever. There they crucified him. Not only that, I believe it's the most unexplainable verse in the Bible. Now, there's some verses in the Bible that are hard to explain. I'll tell you that. But I believe this is the most unexplainable verse in all of Scripture. Well, what about that? Listen, this is the most unexplainable verse in all of God's Word. Think about this verse. It really is the most unimaginable thing. It, it really is the strangest thing. It's the most absurd thing. This cross, Paul says, it's foolishness. It truly is foolishness. It truly is craziness. 
be sure of this. On this cross, the one who speaks the earth into existence and hangs it on nothing is lifted off of that earth and hung on a cross. How absurd is that? How, how absurd is that? On this cross, the one who named the tree, he gave the name to the tree he's now found. He is nailed to a tree. How crazy is that? Where Adam and Eve, in God's kindness, were given coverings for their shame, he is now nailed, naked, uncovered, and he's heaped and heaped and heaped with our shame. How unexplainable is that? At this cross, the one who had no part in sin, he couldn't stand sin. The one who had never sinned, no stain of sin, he now becomes sin. How wrong is that? On this cross, the one deemed guilty of no crime. They said, we find no fault in him. We find no guilt in him. The one deemed guilty of no crime, he's gonna die a criminal's death. How backward is that? On this cross, the giver of life. On this cross, the giver of life, the creator of life, life rests with him. The giver of life on this cross will succumb to death. How ridiculous is that? Friends, more than all of that, on this cross, the one true God, God himself, Jesus, Emmanuel, Love incarnate, the one who came and humbled himself and took the form of a bondservant, the one who came to show great mercy. He is mercilessly hated and rejected and killed by the very people he came to save. Listen, that's not right. That's not right. How unexplainable is this verse? Does it make sense? Most underwhelming verse, most unexplainable verse, most undeserved verse. There they crucify him. Most undeserved verse. There they crucify him. See what happens here on this cross. I think sometimes over time we become numb to the events of the cross. We become numb to the image of the, of the cross. We become numb to the profound depths of what is occurring at the cross. I want you to see what is happening here at this cross. Understand here at this cross, here at this place, Golgotha, the skull, here at this place, on this cross, holiness and justice and wrath crash headlong into love, grace, and mercy. And it is on this cross where God's hatred towards sin, God's wrath and judgment of sin are poured out. Listen to the word. They are poured out, not removed, not expunged, not dismissed, but poured out. The fullness of the wrath of God, the fury of God is poured out for every single sin, for every sin that you've committed, for every sin that I've committed. The fullness of the wrath of God toward every sin is poured out on Jesus, is received by Jesus. And in grace and love 
It is in that exact same event on that cross and the shedding of his very own blood that I am set free. It's in the shedding of his blood that I am forgiven. It is in that same event where I am redeemed and the price is paid and salvation becomes applicable to me on this cross in that same moment. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And as we stand here and as the, the shadow now gives way to the light of Jesus as he's nailed on the cross, it's in this filthy, beautiful, blood-soaked cross that Jesus pays it all. How undeserved for him. How infinitely undeserved for us and there they crucified him without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin oh the blood of Jesus oh the blood of Jesus